Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. There's still plenty of summer left and plenty of things to do. I'm Paula Degnan. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. We're going to talk about increasing drug prices, a marker ceremony that's going to take place next week at the Wilkes-Barre City Cemetery, an upcoming purse bingo fundraiser, the Good Things Are Happening Festival in Scranton, and Rick Markham is here, and he has your invitation to the Whitehaven-based Legion Theater Group production of the play Sylvia. It's being performed at the Tilbury Community Center in West Nanticoke to benefit Murray's Place, a senior dog sanctuary in Wapwallopin. Rick, it's nice to have you here, and you're going to be telling us about, well, some very exciting things that are happening in the local theater community. So first, give us a little bit of the idea of your group. Introduce everybody, because this is something new. I'm here to tell you that Broadway is coming to Nanticoke. We are producing the Broadway comedy Sylvia, August 11th and 12th at the Tilbury Community Center in West Nanticoke. It is the first stage play there in about half a century, so it's really kind of exciting. Um, my group is the Legion Theater Group. We're a community theater organization based in Whitehaven. And this is the first show that we're actually doing outside the Whitehaven area, so we're really looking forward to it. We're really looking forward to bringing theater back to Nanticoke, especially with a show that's as special as this one. Well, tell us a little bit about the show then, because there could be some people out there who are not familiar with Sylvia, which is a little bit different than they might think. Yeah, it's it's a great show. It's, it's the classic Greek tragedy, the classic uh, romantic triangle with a twist. So Greg and Kay are happily married, and they're living a very comfortable, somewhat dull, middle-aged existence in Manhattan. And Greg catches the eye of a beautiful, younger female. He, she's someone who's wild and free, and, and everything Greg is not. But unlike most men in this situation, he does more than just fantasize about what it's like to be with this mystery woman. He brings her home to live with his wife. And the twist is that this other woman, the, the object of his adoration, she's a dog. She's a stray dog he meets in the park. But despite being not quite human, Greg and Kate learn an awful lot about life from her. So it's a really good show. It's funny. It's got a lot of heart. And she is Sylvia. She is Sylvia, indeed. <laughs> she is Sylvia. You know, it's a very smart script. I would just put one caution out there that this is a comedy for adults. I mean, it is not Lassie. So I play Greg, the husband. And when I first meet Sylvia, she's been surviving on the streets of New York City. She has quite a mouth on her. 
You know, she isn't afraid to tell it like it is, which may be what Greg finds so attractive. Greg's wife, Kate, is an English teacher. She's very prim and proper, so we've got that contrast. And she's not at all a fan of this wild spirit running loose in their small apartment. And that, that's kind of what makes it work and what makes it so funny. Of course, you have my heart already because there is a dog involved and it's a dog that is rescued, which is awesome. And something tells me that there's also a correlation between the show, you and maybe rescuing dogs. Well, there is. So at its core, you're very very, uh, astute here. At its core, Sylvia is really a comedy about relationships. It's about the relationships people have with each other, but really importantly about the relationships and the bonds that we have with our pets. And um, I currently live with a number of freeloading animals. They're mostly cats at the moment, a few rabbits. None of them have any right to be here, but they kind of had nowhere else to go. So that's my situation. But the neat thing about this is all the money that this raises is going to Murray's place, which is a senior dog sanctuary. And they're in Wapalapan. It's a fantastic uh, place that cares for dogs of all sizes from, from, you know, toy dogs to the giant breeds. And their average age of dogs there are between 13 and 20. It's a no-kill refuge. And um, their volunteers are very passionate about giving these dogs a high quality of life and, and making sure that they're surrounded by love and friends in their final years. And that's literally all any money, any profit from the show is going directly to that charity. So nobody's making any money working on this show, which is which is another thing that works in our favor, actually. So it's a wonderful evening of theater. It's got it's got a dog in it. It's going to benefit dogs. How did you end up in Nanticoke? Because you've taught we mentioned Wapwallopin, you mentioned Whitehaven, and now you're kind of in the sort of middle there? We are. We are. And you know, it's a case of it's not what you know, it's who you know. So to answer that question, I want to tell you what I love about doing volunteer theater, because that's how I ended up in we ended up in Nanticoke. I love doing volunteer theater fundraisers for nonprofits because it allows you to assemble a team of talent that most local theaters cannot afford, okay? Once you remove money as your motivation, you can bring in some amazing people. So our technical director is based in Nanticoke, although he is a Broadway lighting designer. His name is Zach Knoll of Q1 Light and Scenic. He's done professional stage lighting on Broadway, and he's also associated with this Tilbury Community Center in Nanticoke. So when I was looking for a stage, he suggested, hey, why don't we bring, you know, why don't we try bringing a play back here? It's been so many years since we've had anything like that. But that's the case. Everyone who is in this show, they're people we could not afford if we had to actually pay them, which is really what it's going to make it absolutely wonderful. Well, of course, we have to hear about the cast. Absolutely. And you mentioned that you're already in it. So let's go. Yeah, I'm playing Greg, the, the hapless um, husband who uh, stumbles upon Sylvia to uh Hilarity that ensues. Steve Rice, he plays our entire supporting cast, which is the way it was done on Broadway as well. He plays Tom, Phyllis, and Leslie. And Steve is also directing the show. And we're very lucky to have Steve. He's a veteran of countless productions, and he's actually appearing in a horror movie later this year. It was filmed locally in this area. Nina Kemp, who plays my wife Kate, is a veteran of the Little Theater in Wilkesbury, and she appeared just last month in The Wizard of Oz. And then we have the amazing Linda Miller, who will be chewing up the scenery of Sylvia. She's a local uh, entrepreneur. She's the head of the Chamber of Commerce in Whitehaven. And she's taking time away from running her very hectic businesses to bring this dog to passionate life on stage. And it's really, it's a fabulous cast. And I could never afford to pay them to do something like this, which is what makes it so much fun. 
when you're talking about the animals, I think that uh, that's that's kind of payment enough when you see the look in their <laughs> eyes when they get when they are adopted and when someone's caring for them. So it sounds like it's going to be wonderful. So, Rick, what I'd like you to do is here's the microphone. I'd like you to issue the invitation to the show when, where. Oh, and of course, most importantly, how we get tickets in order to see it. So here you go. It's all yours. Thank you, Paul. I'd love to. Experience the acclaimed Broadway comedy, Sylvia, and help support Murray's Place, Senior Dog Sanctuary. We are August 11th and 12th, 2023 at the Tilbury Community Center in West Nanticoke. Curtain is at 7 p.m. Advanced tickets are $20 each. They'll be $25 at the door. And you can buy them in person at any Village Pet Supply location or online through our website, which is legiontheatergroup.org. In theater, the spelling ends in T-R-E. We hope to see you there. Thanks, Rick. Now we're heading to Scranton for the Good Things Are Happening Festival. Here's one of the organizers, James Barrett, to tell us all about it. James, I'm happy to have you here. And you give, you give the title because when I say it, it's not going to have the same impact. What's the, uh, no, what's the name of the festival? Uh, Good Things Are Happening Fest 2023. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you what, you sound like a guy who's really going to bring some good things happening to Northeast Pennsylvania. Oh, that's awesome. I'm trying very hard. I have a lot of faith for this area. And I, don't know, I think we're, we're on a, a good path in the last couple of years and the years to come with more things to do and more uh, opportunities for arts and music and stuff to, to really take off. Well, tell us about the festival. What? No, no, no. I'm going to stop you there. Tell us about the <laughs> name of the festival first. So, yeah. So uh, the name is inspired from uh, WNEP, <laughs> the news station, for many years. Just as like a joke, anytime I had like a show to announce or like anything that was good, in my opinion, I would use their their slogan, good things are happening from like their one segment. And I kind of it just kind of came like a, like a inside joke. With me and a lot of my friends that like when things were good, I would just share the, the good things are happening logo that they had. Last year when we came up with the idea for the festival, um, again, that was the first thing that came to my mind was like, oh, wow, good things are happening once again. And I was like, oh, wait, that could be a good name for, for this event. And I had to reach out to them to make sure there wasn't any like copyright or anything like that. Seriously, I just want to name my festival after that. Because I feel like not only would it uh, shine light on the the original segment that it came from, but also it's something familiar and like nostalgic and just exactly what I want to happen in this area. You know, to have good things continue to come and uh, give people more reasons to be excited about living here or visiting here or anything. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that you reached out to them because I was a little bit nervous there. I thought maybe you'd have to start oh, yeah. bleeping things yeah. out. The- <laughs> no, no, no. They, uh, they 100%, I had to email them. They, they've approved everything because they, they said they have no problem with us naming it, as long, you know, as long as uh, we just changed a couple things on the logo and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, so it's almost just like uh, an allusion to, uh, uh, to WNEP and that classic Scranton NEPA nostalgia that I'm going for. This is the second year of the festival. Yep. And tell us all about it. You have you have all kinds of acts that are going to be mm-hmm. performing. How much fun is that? Yeah. It's awesome. So, uh, yeah, this is this is year two. Uh, last year, it was very spontaneous. Um, the idea came in May. And I kind of just threw it out there into the world thinking like, 
this would be kind of cool if we did this. And the response was just so ridiculous that I was like, okay, like let's, let's do it. Let's try to see if we can do it. And people didn't expect it to happen three months later, but somehow we got a team together and I booked 11 bands and uh, it turned out really well for just like two and a half months of preparation and promotion. And it kind of blew my mind because it was like, it's either going to be really, really awesome or it's going to fail tremendously. And it, it went really well. So it really uh, made us hopeful that uh, the second year could be even better. Yeah, we have a lot of amazing bands and playing this year. So we have some bands like Wild Pink, which is uh, one of my favorite bands. They're from New York. Uh, we have Pedal, which is another one of my uh, like really uh, longtime uh, favorite bands from Scranton. Kylie has been playing in the area for a while, but they haven't played in, I think, like five years. So it'd be nice to see them hit the stage again. There's Little Hag, which is from uh, Asbury, New Jersey. We're from Antarctica, which is a funny name to say. We're from Antarctica is from Lehigh Valley. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so just a lot of really great bands from the area. There's a lot of local bands playing as well. And it's just like a, a good way to get a nice, healthy mix of like bands from Scranton and Wilkes-Barre and beyond. And then getting some like regional acts as well to get people discovering new music and everything, you know? Well, wait a minute. I see James Barrett on the list. Is that a relation? <laughs> Yeah, that is me. <laughs> so, yeah, my band is going to play as well. It's our only show of the summer. I have a six-person rock band that plays under my name. It's like my solo music, but I've been lucky to have people want to play with me. We played last year. It was probably like one of my favorite shows we've ever played. I and mean, I'm thinking that this festival will probably become like my annual summer show that I do each year. Nice. Now, where yeah. is this happening and when is this happening? So it's happening at the Scranton Iron Furnaces, pretty much right in downtown Scranton, just like a little little down the hill from uh, Baratari and Coney Island. And uh, it's happening on August 12th, Saturday, August 12th. Doors open at 12 o'clock. And then the music is going to kick off at 1230. Now, wait a minute. The doors open, but you're at the Iron Furnaces? So technically doors in the sense that there's like a, a, a booth. It's all outdoors. Um, there's be like a little ticket booth right when you walk into the entrance. And that's where they give you a wristband. Um, you're allowed to re-enter. So you can come and go as you please. We'll start allowing people to kind of go in at uh, around 12. Was that planned being there at the Iron Furnaces when you were talking about bringing the, the area back and enjoying yeah, so, all of the things that, that were once here. Yes, honestly, I've always heard about the furnaces. At this point, you know, in May of last year, I hadn't been there yet. I've always seen that like a lot of people were trying to do more things there. They do the Shakespeare Shakespeare Fest, they do the bonfire. And I've always heard about it, but I had yet to go, which was like crazy because I feel like I've seen everything in this area. But I had the idea, the initial idea, part of it was like, I want it in Scranton, not outside of Scranton or, or anything like that. I want it in actual city of Scranton. But there were, weren't many options, but that was the first place that came to my mind. So I immediately found the contact for them and I reached out and they were totally into the idea of doing it there. And then I went to go see it. So I actually kind of reached out before I even went to go see the place. And then when I went to go see it, I was like, this is just perfect. I mean, and it also really is just like a true uh, encapsulation of what Scranton once was and what it could be now. You mentioned the fact that you can get tickets the day of the event. And how do we yep. go about getting them if we want to get them before? To get them on our we have a website, goodthingsfestpa.com. But we have an event page on Facebook that also has like a link to the uh, tickets. So tickets pre-sale are $25 for the day. And then day of, they're going to be 30 So we try to encourage everybody to get them early, not only just to save the extra five bucks, 
But then I feel like that extra $5 can go to one of our various uh, vendors that are going to be there for the day. There's going to be like 25 arts, clothing, thrift, jewelry vendors. A big component of this is I, I, I was thrilled last year to hear that the vendors that came did really well. And that just like further proves the point that there's a huge community for these type of events in Scranton and uh, just so many incredibly talented artists from this area. So uh, I always encourage people to buy them early. Even an extra five bucks can just go towards save it and spend it on something at one of the vendors or some food there or anything like that. And it just helps us out to get the tickets early too, just to make sure you know people are going. <laughs> wow. Well, it certainly sounds like it's going to be a full day of music yeah. and fun. So James Barrett, I'm going to ask you to put on your musician voice now. Like you were, <laughs> like you're talking to the crowd and yeah. you are going to give the official come on down invitation to the Good Things Are Happening Festival. I'm Here's okay. the microphone. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. Come on down to Good Things Are Happening Fest 2023 at the Scranton Iron Furnaces on Saturday, August 12th. There will be tons of vendors, food trucks, a beer tent, coffee tent, plus 11 bands from this area and beyond, including Petal, Wild Pink, and many more. And uh, it's just a fun day for the whole family and for everyone involved. Thanks once again to James Barrett with the upcoming Good Things Are Happening Festival. Next, bingo for Wilkes-Barre Special Needs Playgrounds and a marker at the Wilkes-Barre City Cemetery. Welcome back to Special Edition. We'll be telling you about the marker being placed next weekend for Henry Brown at the Wilkes-Barre City Cemetery. But first, Odyssey's Doc and Chewy caught up with inclusive community advocate Lizzie Bresnay and her mom, Helene. Lizzie showed them how she can type with her eyes to help her speak. And she shared the information about the upcoming Purse Bingo fundraiser to benefit the Wilkes-Barre Special Needs Playground Fund. All right. Big event is coming up. The uh, the Bresnays are here. Hi, Lizzie. Hi. <laughs> Lizzie's here. And her mom, Helene. Hello. And uh, the event, this is kind of cool. We've never done this event. Uh, you have the unit right in front of you of to help Lizzie with speech. Yes. Tell us the name of the unit and how does it work? It's the Toby Dynavox Eye Gaze Communication Device. And how Lizzie uses it is she types using her eyes by looking at the device and it picks up on her retinas and it follows where she's, it tracks where she's That's amazing. And um, it's just like typing on a keyboard, but Lizzie's typing with her eyes. All right. So we're going to do the interview with the help, of course, of the uh, Toby Eye Gaze Communication Device that's here. And Lizzie, of course. Right, Lizzie? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so first of all, guys, uh, tell us about the Special Needs Playground in Wilkesbury. Our first Special Needs Playground grand opening was held back in October of 2022 at Kirby Park. It was attended by hundreds of people who came out to see this amazing, all-inclusive play area. Our next project is set for the ball at Evercore Field, where Wyoming Valley Challenger Baseball is based out of in the Miners Mills section of Wilkes-Barre. So cool the way it's working out. So uh, can you guys tell us what makes this playground different than other ones? The Wilkes-Barre Special Needs Playgrounds offer something for all abilities. The entire playground is wheelchair accessible, has both typical and special needs swings, a wheelchair accessible merry-go-round, fun, interactive, hands-on, 
educational devices, slides, even zip lines for all to enjoy, plus so much more. Lizzie, you're doing great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, guys, tell listeners, you know, the, what they can expect at the Design a Purse Bingo fundraiser. Now, that's coming up on Sunday, August 13th. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from the bingo games. Included with your entry ticket, there will be door prizes. You can also purchase 50-50 and basket raffles, additional cards for special bingo games, including four specials worth over $1,000 each, and the grand prize special, valued at over $2,000. Along with so many celebrity bingo callers, including the famous... Doc and Chewy. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. We appreciate that. We're so excited to be uh, to be part of it all. So, Lizzie, can you tell us um, the location and the time that the doors open? Our designer purse bingo fundraiser is being held on Sunday, August 13th at Jeanette's Best Western Hotel, 77 East Market Street in Wilkes-Barre. Doors open at 11 a.m. Bingo starts at 1 p.m. So, so cool. And it's $35 per ticket. So, for the $35, what do you get? Your entry ticket includes an Italian buffet lunch, along with desserts, soda, and coffee, which will begin at around 11.30 a.m. There will be 20 regular bingo games, door prizes, with so many opportunities to take home an amazing designer purse, tote and more. Please reach out to us by going to the Wilkes-Barre Special Needs Playground Facebook page to reserve your tickets. And a huge thank you to Doc and Chewy for having us here today. Yeah. <laughs> Lizzie, you did it. Great thank job. Thank you for coming in, guys. That was awesome. Aline, that is amazing how you can have conversation and it all works through that and through her retinas. Yes, it's amazing because Lizzie does communicate um, using clicks with her tongue, using eye gaze, looking up for a yes or looking to the right for a no as an example. Yeah. But this is nice when she has a lot to say um, to communicate with others. She used it a lot in school and out in the community. It's NPA Live. She's used it. Yeah. There. yeah. Oh, I see you. There. I'm by see your shirt right here. Yeah. <laughs> That's Chris, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Bazinski right on the front. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for coming in. And yes, we look forward to being there with you. Well, thank you very much. Thanks to Lizzie, her mom, Helene, and of course, Odyssey's Doc and Chewy for bringing us all that great information. And you can find out more by going to the events page on Facebook. Now, coming up next weekend, they are going to be placing a marker at the grave of Henry Brown at the Wilkes-Barre City Cemetery. And to tell us all about it, Kathleen Smith, regent of the Shawnee Fort DAR chapter. Kathleen, always love to have you here because you have so many things that are happening. All right, tell us, what is this one? It's going to be big, big. I hope it's big. I hope it's big. Thank you for having me. On August 12th, the uh, Shawnee Ford chapter of the Daughters of the American Revolution, our chapter, we're based in Plymouth. We're working with the Wilkes-Barre Preservation Society and the race team which is Rediscovering Ancestry Through Culture and Education, and also the Wilkes-Barre City Cemetery Committee. We're honoring a man, his name was Henry Brown. He lived from 1800 to 1884, and he's buried in the Wilkes-Barre City Cemetery by the side fence. And we talked about Henry Brown not too long ago. Can you give us the background about how this came about? Certainly. It was actually more or less an accident. I was looking through newspapers.com. I didn't even remember what I was looking for. This was like 2020, 2021. Just scrolling through. And I came across this interesting headline about escaped slaves. I'm like, oh, 
that's interesting. I was I love history, so it's of course I, I grabbed the article and I read it. And I come to find out that this woman who was like 101, 102, was telling her the story about how her father, who was Henry, during the Civil War in the 1850s and before the Civil War, helped escape slaves. Now the thing is, this family was African American, and he's doing this in Wilkesbury to the risk of his own life and his family. Every single day, he risked his life to make sure these people escaped and got to freedom up toward Montrose and on to Canada. Um, he worked very closely with William Gilderslave. He didn't live too far from him. And I found out since then that, I guess, Henry came here around 1820. So he knew Gilderslave a lot longer than I realized when, I, when we first started this. So they must have been friends. And they were only like five years apart in age. So they must have been friendly somehow. And weren't they from the area over by where the McDonald's on uh, Northampton is now? Um, I believe East Northampton or Northampton Street, yeah. In the article, uh, the, the daughter says where it is. The house is long gone. Right. And there's apartments there. But but yeah, I, I was as soon as I started this, I went looking for the house, of course, because that would have been really, really, really fantastic <laughs> to have the house there. Because he hid the slaves in the basement. How did that work? He went from Wilkesbury and he he used the. Will you tell the story? How did he well, get the house? What he out? did was, from what we can find and from what we understand from the article, he went down toward Harrisburg with his wagon full of hay and basically hid the slaves in the hay and brought them to Wilkesbury. He hid them in the house until it was safe to move them. So now here he is and you happened to stumble across this for not even looking for anything like this. And that takes you to the Wilkes-Barre Cemetery where you find out, is there, was there, is there a marker there? No, there was no marker. We don't know if he ever had one. I mean, he was, he was very well to do. He was very well off. He owned property. He was well-respected. And in 1884, when he passed away, he left one of his children $750. Now, that's 1884. That's more money than I have now. Exactly. You're right. <laughs> so he was he was a, a, well, a well-respected businessman, well-known, upsetting member of the community. So I think that contributed to the fact that that's maybe why he didn't get caught. Maybe, I don't know. We're, we're, it's, it's supposition. So how did you know that that's where he was buried? Wolfsburg City Cemetery has maps and records. And Joan Cavanaugh actually helped me find his grave because there is no there is no marker. There's a little marker now because we put it there so that we could find it again. We have like a little lamp and some flowers so we know where to place the marker when it's when it's ready to be installed. Because we don't know that he ever had one, but he hasn't had one that anybody knows of. Now, what's going to happen on August 12th? August 12th. We'll go back to Henry died on August 13th of 1884. So that's why we chose August 12th. Tony Brooks from the Wilkesbury Preservation Society is going to be the master of ceremony, so to speak. And we're going to have Mayor George Brown speak. I'm speaking. Constance Wynn from the race team is speaking. Uh, she was very, very instrumental and she's been very supportive from the beginning. Uh, and I have to thank the community. The community has been outstanding. The contributions and the support that they gave to raise money for this stone, the stone cost $1,600. And the community really pulled together and, and made it happen through fundraisers. Through, through, I got calls and we got checks uh, left and right. We can't make it to the fundraiser. Where do I send the money? And the people were fantastic. But yeah, we're going to have a little ceremony and place the gravestone. It shouldn't take too long, but we wanted something permanent so that Henry wouldn't be forgotten. Because this deserves what he did. He risked his life. And he saved who knows how many people. Because these stories were never written down. It was dangerous to write these down. It was all word of mouth and it was all rumor, really, because no one really told anybody about it because it was unsafe. We just happened to stumble on the article. It's the only reason we really know about it is because of that article. And is his daughter still alive? Oh, no, no. She died. She was like 102 in 1938. Oh, it was that long ago that the yeah. article was written. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was a long time ago. 
I have tried to find his family. I traced his grandchildren to the 30s and 40s, and the ones that I can find all died single. Now, back then, single meant you pretty much didn't get married. You didn't have kids. Right. Different time back then. So I can't find anything on any of his family. I have tracked down some family of Gildersleeve, and I've reached out to them hoping that they can come because he and Gildersleeve work really, really closely together. It'd be nice to have at least one of them there. Are they still in uh, the area? I believe some of them might be um, in Pennsylvania anyway, but some of them moved out west. Like his third great-grandchildren, I've traced them down. And they're, they're in their 80s at this point. So we're reaching out to them. This is something that you have done before, not, in, not just in this instance, but you've done your own tracing as far as your family's concerned, correct? Yes, but in that case, you trace it back. It's actually almost easier to trace it back because the records are already there. You're not guessing at people's names. It's already there. Tracing it forward is a little bit harder to find people that are still alive and, and here. And, you know, you have to worry about privacy and all that, too. Yeah, I've, I've traced my family back to the American Revolution. I think I have like six patriots who fought in the American Revolution that I've proven. And when we're talking about all this, it's absolutely fascinating that you're talking 1800s and here you are in 2023 inviting people to find out the history of this man, exactly what he did, and he lived in the mists of Wilkesbury. Yeah, right in the middle. And, and like I said, he was an upstanding member of the community. His obituary said he was well-liked. It was a loss to the community. He died at the age of around 84 years old. Now, he was working as a carpenter into his 80s. This man knew hard work. He was dedicated. He was committed to his community I mean, and his family. He was a whitewasher, which back in the 1830s and 40s, it was a skilled profession. You know, kind of like Huckleberry Finn, you know, the whitewashing offense. Right. That's what he did. And it was pretty much it was a skilled profession from what I can find. And he was paid very well. He was a teamster after that, which I think really helped the escaped slave situation because he had the wagon, he had the horses, and nobody blinked. Nobody, he was just going about his business. And then later on, he was a carpenter up until his 80s. So this man never stopped. It is amazing. So now when we get to August 12th, the where and the when, and do we need an invitation? You issue the invitation, Kathleen. We would like as many people there as possible. Please wear sturdy shoes. It is the Wilkes-Barre City Cemetery. Cemeteries can be a little uneven, so you have to be careful with that. Hoping for good weather. It's on Facebook. It's on the Shawnee Fort Chapter DAR page. It's Shawnee Fort Chapter NSDAR. If you put in Facebook and put Henry Brown, it'll come up. The parking situation is a little bit tricky. Wilkes-Barre City Cemetery, there's parking in there. Call me, message me, text me. I'm thrilled. If we have the cemetery fill of people for Henry, I'll be thrilled. What time? 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock in the morning. On August 12th mm-hmm. at the Wilkesboro mm-hmm. City Cemetery. Can you give us an idea of, of just a visual of what it's going to look like that you have purchased in order to put there in honor of Henry? Absolutely. It says Henry Brown, 1800 to 1884. We wanted to put some of the story on because it wouldn't make sense to just have his name and dates because who's he? You just walk by it and you don't know. So what we have is we have a depiction of a man in a wagon driving a team of horses in a wagon with a hat on. It says local conductor of the on the Underground Railroad, who smuggled runaway slaves in and out of Wilkesbury in violation of the Fugitive Slave Act in the 1850s. Now, he was actually going against the law at the time because in the 1850s, they had a Fugitive Slave Act where the slave owners, at one point, the slaves, if you got out of the South, you were safe. I'm simplifying it, but still, 
in the 1850s, they passed a law that if they found you anywhere, they could drag you back to your owner because you were property. You were somebody's property. So if they found you in Wilkesbury and they took you back, they had every legal right to do it. So Henry was in more danger doing that. I and mean, it wasn't safe to begin with. During this Fugitive Slave Act, it was more dangerous. And his daughter said in the article, she overheard the slave hunters saying, if we can get rid of Catherine, that was Henry's wife, if we can get rid of Catherine, they basically won't have a problem with anything. Because Catherine, his wife, was working with him. And according to the daughter in the article, Catherine would keep boiling hot water on the stove 24 hours a day in case anybody tried to get in the house as a means of defense. That's how these people lived all the time. I can't even imagine. I don't know how they slept. But you were right. He probably was able to get around it because of his status at the time, because of what he did. So that's that is just absolutely amazing. And what you have done in order to bring all this to light is also just as amazing. Kathleen, give us the where, the when, and the invitation so that everybody knows where they need to be on August the 12th. So my phone number is 570-704-9809. You can call me, text me, Wilkesbury City Cemetery. It's right next to Hollenbach. It's August 12th at 11 a.m. in the Wilkesbury City Cemetery. I wear sturdy shoes. And please come out and support Henry because he deserves it. He deserves to be remembered for the amazing man that he was and the amazing things that he did. And the lives that he saved. And we'll never know how many. We will never know how many. Thanks, Kathleen. Odyssey's Nikki Stone shared the studio with campers from Camp Archibald. We're in the Right Stuff program this week. So you're talking Right Stuff by W-R-I-T, like a play on words there? Uh Ah, cool. How to write for television on air like this. I caught up with Emily Loader and the group after, and they shared their experiences. First of all, tell us about the group that you have with you today. I am so excited that we're here in Camp Archibald in Kingsley, PA. We have the Right a group with us, W-R-I-T-E, which is a group that came to camp to learn about uh, all different types of writing styles through journalism or broadcasting, fiction or nonfiction, and get a chance to experience that type of programming in addition to all of the amazing activities that we have available at camp. Let's start with Klaus. You're going to get everything started today. And let me ask you, what brought you to Camp Archbald in order to get involved with the right stuff. So I wrote the programming that we're doing this week. I've been going to Camp Archibald for a very long time, and this is my first year on staff this year, and I'm really excited that I got to write a program and get to talk about something I really love, which is writing. What exactly do you mean by writing the program? When we write a program, we plan out all of the activities for the week for the kids to do, and we do research on what we're teaching them about, and we find people to talk to, like when we're coming to talk to you, or we're going to news stations, or stuff like that. Well, that sounds pretty exciting. Do you look forward to maybe doing this as a career later on? Yeah, I would love to write as a career. I think it's really interesting and I love learning about writing and it's really fun for me. I like that. And fun is a good thing. So next to Klaus, we have Evelyn and Evelyn, welcome. Nice to have you here too. So what what Klaus was telling us about was the whole idea, the concept of writing. Is that something that you're interested in as well? I am interested in writing. You know, I'm a very avid reader. I read all the time. 
definitely trying to expand my vocab a little bit. And when you're talking about getting involved in something like this and going to Camp Archibald, when you saw that as part of the program, did that really spark your interest and say, hey, I think this might be something to suit me? And and how did you find it now that you're there? When I saw the program, I was like, this is pretty interesting. And for my age group, it's hard to find a program that's like intriguing because I've never been to a summer camp that had a writing program before. So it's just good practice, you know, for school, for writing, just for fun, you know. And it's a really uh, thorough program. Klaus did a really good job writing it. And we appreciate all his efforts. All right. And let's get now down to Savannah, because I know you have so many things that you have going on throughout the the day. I don't want to keep you too long. Savannah, what's your take on all of this? And are you getting out of it what you thought that maybe you would get out of it? And what are your goals for the future? Is this going to help? Yeah, I think so. I I mean, I like this program a lot. Is this your first time at camp? No, I've been going for five years. And what else have you been involved in then at camp besides now you're involved in the writing program? I've gone to different programs here, basically just like the swimming ones, but I wanted to do something different this year. Instead of doing something as far as the recreation part of it, you wanted to do something more for the thinking part of it? Yeah. And what do you think when you get out of this program? Is it going to inspire you? Is it going to instill something in you that maybe you're going to be doing more writing or or at least learn more about it? Yeah, I mean, I love writing really fun. I journal a lot too. So I figured that this camp would help maybe with that kind of why I picked it. Excellent. All right. Next to Savannah is Kaylee and Kaylee also interested in the writing program. What else have you done, Kaylee? Is this your first time at camp? This is my fifth year at Camp Archibald, and I've done as many different programs as I could. Last week, I was in the fungi group. We were, like, foraging and stuff, and then I was in, like, survival groups and stuff. And what so far has been something that has really sparked your interest? Fungi? The fungi group was my favorite. This week, I'm not big on, like, writing, but I thought I should try something new. So I joined the writing group. I give you a lot of credit for that. What did you find with the writing group? group. Yes, since you tried something different. That's great. We got journals and we were decorating them and stuff. And I actually started journaling, which I don't really do very often. I don't journal a lot, so... I think I'm doing good with that. And I have to ask, I'm going to ask you this because it just dawned on me. Is this writing with a writing utensil or are you writing on laptops and computers? We're mostly writing with pencils, but we're learning about a whole bunch of different things like radios, news stations, fiction, nonfiction, all that kind of stuff. That gives you also an opportunity to uh, work on penmanship and the like which is kind of falling by the wayside. Yeah, we're learning a whole bunch of different stuff. We had an author come in. We went to a radio station and a news station. It was really fun. All right. Next to you is Emilio. Let me get your impression of what all this is about. Is this your first time at camp? This is, I believe, this is actually, I believe, my uh, fourth year of camp because it was the first year I did this was um, was like online. So I'm really glad to be like back here again. I bet it must be a lot different. Are you more of the outdoorsy type or more of the uh, journaling kind of type that is going to be into the writing? Which which do you think you'd put yourself in? I guess like a little bit of both. 
sometimes. Like I am like botany and, and I also like the guy I'm writing about it. So like a little bit of both, I guess. So again, you can meld these different things that you're interested in now together. You mentioned writing about botany. Uh, yeah, sometimes. Well, that sounds like a good thing. What so far in the time that you have been in camp, whether it's online or whether it's in person, what has been your fun thing to do? Probably like like probably like paddleboarding or like making bracelets and like you have some craft room. Well, that sounds like a lot of things that can also be written about because you could become a journalist and write about travel. That sounds pretty exciting. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's go to Julia. Julia, is this your first time at camp? No, it's my third year at camp. And what have you done so far in the past? I've done horse camp, uh, outdoorsy, roughing it kind of camp, and a climbing camp. So now here you are writing. What's your impression? I really like it. I keep a journal every time that I'm here anyway, so it kind of just fits, and I really enjoy writing. And when you talk about keeping these journals, do you look back at what you've written uh, maybe even just a few years ago and say, wow, look how far I've changed? Yeah, I do a lot. What's your favorite thing about camp so far, besides the writing that you're involved with? I like doing the activities that we have. It was a pleasure meeting everybody. I'm going to go back to Emily because I know it's it's time for everybody to get on with their day. But Emily, can you just give us a little bit of an overview of the folks that I talked to? What's the age group we, we were chatting with there? Between 13 and 15. So everybody is still in high school and they're still forming careers. Is that something that you hope to get out of Camp Archibald is looking forward to what they might want to do as they grow? up? Absolutely. We have a variety of programs available at camp. So if we have girls that come to camp for one particular program next year, if they really like it, they can come back and do the same program. Or if they want to change it up and get a a well-rounded experience in different programs, then they have the opportunity to do that as well. And we have programs all the way up to girls for 18. And then after they're 18, then we hope that they can come back to camp as a counselor and be able to help and be in those programs that they may have been as a camper with those experiences. It is a wonderful way to, as so many of them said, try out different things that they might not have given the opportunity to try out before. Absolutely. Camp has a variety of experiences and all comfort levels for all girls that are available to try out, whether they've done it every year or whether they're coming to camp to do it for the first time. We would just want to let everybody know, just in case anybody was listening and said, wow, that sounded like a lot of fun. It might be a little bit late for this year, but how can people find out more about Camp Archibald going forward? They can visit our website at supportersofcamparchibald.org. We're also on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube as supporters of Camp Archibald. You can friend us on social media. We post updates about our camp. And then registration for Summer Camp 2024 opens on January 15th. Emily Loader and the campers from Camp Archibald. Coming up, saving on drug prices. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, how to save on drug prices with Dr. Jenny Yu from Optum Perks. Dr. Yu, a pleasure to have you here with me. And when we're talking about drug prices, as soon as you say that, everybody says, ah, so... What are you finding? I understand that there's been uh, new as far as prescriptions are concerned and you're you're getting more da- data on things like that. So what say you about these drug prices? Yeah, thanks for having me, Paula. You know, a recent survey that we conducted showed that um, people aren't necessarily checking drug prices before they head to the pharmacy. 61% of folks um, are not checking prices. And of the 34% that do, um, they're, own, they're confused as to where to get the information about costs. And not having that cost information um, before they head to the pharmacy sometimes can um, have people experience that sticker shock. And, you know, one out of three low-income Americans are skipping filling a prescription due to costs. Um, and those are um, some staggering numbers there. Yeah, that's kind of scary. And when you think about it, so many of the prescription drugs that people are taking are, well, usually they are for their health and they are necessary for sustaining life. So when you're talking about prescription drugs, are you talking about people who have prescription drug programs and they're involved in things like that or just uh, people who are every day going to the pharmacy in order to get things? Because if you're in a program, don't you sometimes have to go to a certain place and you might not have an option? Yeah, so these are just folks who are um, filling or refilling a prescription um, and, you know, heading probably to the nearest or most convenient pharmacy. And when they're um, not in a program, um, they're actually not having that information. And so part of having a prescription drug savings program um, actually helps um, in terms of giving people information so that they can compare, shop um, some of the costs related to the drugs. And then knowing that, you know, whatever medication that they need to take um, could be, um, you know, a couple bucks cheaper um, at a pharmacy that could be close to them. And having those programs available to them um, really then helps them have those discounts. So in a state where um, we're, you know, people may be in a fixed income, have a specific budget that they uh, need to stick to, uh, it's important to not make those choices of skipping the medication, as you said, because what we don't realize then is that the decisions that we make sort of in the short term um, can have long-term effects 
um, to our health um, and the outcomes of our health. And as a result, it can actually be more costly. And so I think, um, you know, that's the information we want to get out there um, for folks is to realize that um, there are information sites and apps um, that conveniently compares, you know, all the medications and drugs um, from the, you know, 64,000 pharmacies nationwide um, so that you can be informed before you head to the pharmacy. Well, let's give our listeners some of that information then, Dr. Yu, because it becomes a very daunting thing, especially when you're on several different medications and you don't know where to turn and there's so many things to have to look up. And so where would they go for information? Yeah, so awesomeperks.com slash good prices um, to sign up uh, for free um, a discount program and having a site that um, lists all of the medications um, side by side in terms of what it actually means when you show up um, to the pharmacy um, and what pharmacy has the lowest cost that's nearest to you in your zip code. Well, then I think one of my other questions has to be, why is it that the same drug might cost a different price at a pharmacy that might be a block away from each other? Yeah, I think there's just so many different factors um, that go into how drug prices are set and contracted with the various different retailers. I sort of use that analogy, right? Similar to common grocery items or other retail items, um, milk, eggs, um, you know, other household items can vary vastly in terms of their price, um, you know, from one place to another. Um, and this certainly is the same way with drugs. And I think um, that's what we want to um, help people understand that um, they really need to take advantage of, um, you know, products like a uh, drug savings program, such as Optum Perks, um, to really get that information um, so that as they show up to the pharmacy, they have that information um, to make the right choices. And then what happens too, because sometimes you might go to your physician and the physician may say, well, this one you can't have as a generic. It has to be this particular drug. Is there also different prices and things like that? Yeah, so the brand and generics are very different as well in terms of pricing. Um, and on, you know, these um, drug savings programs, um, sites and what, you know, apps, um, it allow it gives you the information uh, list it in that way too, so that you know if your physicians are um, you know sort of recommending um, a specific drug um, by putting it into the search terms, you're able to see sort of what the cost difference can look like, um, and that's the choice then you can make when you're um, you know counting every dollar and every you know buck saved matters when you're um, you know planning a budget. Is there any kind of a uh, cost when we're talking about Optum Perks in order to get involved in that, that you might have to become a member or something to that effect? How will how would that work when people go there? Yeah, no, it's actually just free to sign up. Um, and you are, um, you know, there no expiration, there are no fees, um, no need for a credit card. Um, really, it's just a, um, you know, an an ability to sign up for a discount, very similar to, um, I think, the days of promo codes where, you know, you have an e-commerce. When e-commerce first started, uh, you know, you're looking for that specific code to input for a discount. And you can think of these drug savings programs as such, um, but you don't need um, any, um, you know, fees or credit card information to sign up. Um, and really then being able to 
be on a program such as the Optum Perk Stock Savings Program. Um, just gives you that information um, and then the cost to make the right choices and decisions as you head to the pharmacy. Dr. Jenny Yu, Optum Perks. I'm Paula Degnan for Special Edition. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.